1: 18 plus.
2: Back to a Celtic state of mind. The reason we're a few seconds late is we couldn't decide uh, who was up for actually hosting the show on this Monday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by a completely new back four in Patrick McGill, Brian Degnan, and Jerry Taylor. How ironic is that? How much of an issue was that yesterday, Patrick? The back four being unfamiliar with each other? Was that where some of the problems lay? I think that's
3: certainly something to do with it. Um, You know, I, I. I suppose we're getting right into it. I'm not a big fan of the two fullbacks at the moment. I think they're really struggling for form. But I really did worry about that uh, when Ange left because those two guys they really excelled under Ange specifically. So under a different manager, I was quite concerned about how they would do, and they've they've not done that well, in my opinion. Um, obviously, given that was it a 21 year old, 22 year old, a debut away to Kelly, tough pitch, tough place to go. You know, McInnes has got them organised. To be fair to him. Um, and and they got in our faces um, right up until they scored. So difficult for him. And then obviously Naroski's only a few weeks in the door as well. So very very very, very difficult circumstances. And um, obviously we don't have a lot of options. I mean we've got a bit of an injury crisis, especially in the in the defence. Um, so we're sort of forced into that. But it, it didn't help us yesterday.
2: No, it did not. And there's going to be loads to discuss. I think the fullbacks have to be discussed because they are playing a different role. So what does Brendan Rodgers do uh, if it doesn't work and it doesn't seem to be? We also need to look at the fact that there is a bit of an injury crisis and the fact we've we've lost a first choice centre half um, and how we're going to combat that but also some of the stylistic changes made by Brendan Rodgers. And um, quite clearly, they're not working at the moment. So what happens if a manager does that and it doesn't work? Do they revert back to type? Do they bring in the players that make sure it does work? Because you're not going to do that in one transfer window. Um, but Patrick raised a very uh, important point. Jerry. I'm going to ask you about this one. We were up against a team, fully confidence, who have started the uh, season off very well, They've started off the season pretty bullish because McInnes has been speaking about the necessity for them to return to that you know, that mindset that they had under Stevie Clark, whereby we hated playing Kilmarnock when Stevie Clark was the manager. It was very difficult. And he was saying that he wants to get victories against Celtic and Rangers. It's time for them to stand up and get their victories. And he's already done that three games into the season. And um, We can't underestimate the fact that we were up against plucky, uh, confident, opposition, but when I look at Celtic, and this isn't me being entitled, we should still be able to overcome that.
4: Yeah, 100%. There's, Like we said yesterday, there's no excuses. Come on, they were hungrier for it, more passion, without a doubt. I was thinking, earlier on, the star felt leaving, what was he, 28?
0: Mm. Uh,
4: yeah one of our older players, what is the average age of our squad right now? Because it seems that we're, we're kind of missing that older head. Um, obviously, with McGregor, you rely on him, but form just now is dipped. don't know what's happening in the middle there with him. I think we're, we're missing an older head. Um, it's not an excuse, but that 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 wasn't the Celtic that we know. And like you said, even when we got seven minutes added time, there was genuinely no... Oh, here we go. We're going to get this. It just, it just didn't feel like it was ever coming, and that's where my worries coming from. I'm not hitting the panic button. By far, I'm not hitting the panic button. I think we get pumped two 0 by Saint Mirren. Run right about this time of the season, a couple of seasons ago. We've, we've had, we've come up against these things before, and we usually come out the other side stronger. If it's a wake up call that we needed, we got that yesterday. And what we need to do now is build from there and and not less. Get sucked into this, and I, I get the I get the reaction, I get the panic with some people. But we've got to keep the faith here. We've been scoring goals for fun before that game. All right, we've been leaking them as well, but it's going to come good. And I, I truly believe it's going to come good. But it was a worry on the part yesterday.
2: See, see, when we're talking about it, uh, the panic button um, and and reacting to it. I watched the the post match interview. Actually, the question was posed by Callum McFadden, a, a pal of Axom's and the way that he actually formed the question, Brian, was very much the way that, that Jerry's just asked the question there. Is it down to bringing in more experienced players? Because that, that's what Callum actually posed to Brendan after the game. You know, we we've been um, reluctant to call certain players uh, projects and you know starters and all this because people think, well, there's no guarantee. Absolutely, there is no guarantee. But there's one thing for sure: what we brought in of the six players is uh, a real. Going to lack or drop, dip in experience compared to those who have left the club. I mean, we've not brought in a defender with the kind of experience that Starfield had. So, is that the real question? Is it more down to bringing in experienced players rather than saying starters or high profile or marquee signings? Where's the experience coming from?
0: I suppose it depends on your definition of experience. You get Kyogo and Mieda, who are Japanese internationals that are 28 and 25, I think, 26 you McGregor, you've got Joe Hart, 75 England caps. Um, Ralston's been out of the team for years. Um, Lagerbilt's, you know, he's only 23, but he's played for the Swedish national team a few times. Um, Naroski's played uh, in Europe, European competition plenty of times, and international. I don't think experience is the the problem. There's a lot of experience there. There's a lot of experienced players there. Players that have played a lot of football. It's... It, Yesterday was the end of the experience for me. It was the fact that the entire team was off form, mixed with, you know, a very decent commander side. And the credit has to go to them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you said, what was it, the, Stephen Welsh was the, the Cobridge Cannavaro? Well, Derek McInnes is the, the Matalan Mourinho because he pulled out a, a very tight,
2: defensive display or something <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listen I, I'm, I'm the Matalan guy here, did he be giving that to Derek McInnes, alright <laughs> You're
0: the Matalan Mourinho
2: of oh, Yes, yeah, I don't know if Mourinho and, and Paul John Dyke's going the same sentence, but Matalan certainly does, you know Matalan started following me on Twitter after everybody was asking me if that's where I got my jackets, uh, so they do now follow me, and they've not given me any freebies, unfortunately, now Yeah, you're right, there is experience there This is the frustration for me, but We're going to break it down because where did it all go wrong and how does Brennan Rogers sort it out? Because he's going to have to sort it out and he's going to have to do it quickly because before you know it, We've got a game against Rangers. We're no fans at Ibrox. Uh, we've got the the draw for the Champions League, I think, on the 31st of August, uh, Patrick. And then, you know, 14th or 15th of September, no, sorry, 19th or 20th of September to be confirmed, our first fixture in the Champions League. We don't have time to just labour this and hope that it all gets ironed out, and, you know, and everything will be fine. We've got to sort it out. And I think that one of the points um, Jerry made in relation to McGregor leads me on to the McGregor question. There's a question around the fullbacks that we'll get to and I think it is linked in to the McGregor question um, I, I don't think he's played well in any of the three games so far this season he's the captain of the club uh, we've often been criticised for not criticising him uh, from time to time if he's a bad game but I generally believe that in the last couple of seasons um, at least It hasn't had that many bad games, to be fair. I mean, we would really need to have, you know, sought it out to find a really bad performance or a period of form, Patrick, where Callum McGregor's not been on it. And more often than not, he's the guy that grabs the game by the scruff of the neck. We've seen it time and time again. That's not been happening. I've been asking myself the question ever since yesterday. And, And I guess probably after the Aberdeen game, because I felt the game really passed them by. Why is it happening? You know, what is it in the shape of the Celtic team that's ensuring that the game is passing Carl McGregor by? Is it down to two things? The first one being Joe Hart is no longer tippy-tapping the ball out from the back, taking guys on, us all sitting here with our hearts in our mouth, and he's far more likely to put the laces through it, as are the two centre-halves. I've got to say, I've seen a lot of that. Cool. Um, so you're bypassing the midfield, in essence. You know, a lot of the balls that went to Carter Vickers and Starfield ended up going to McGregor. So he's not getting the same... Um, amount of the possession or is it something to do with the full backs no longer flooding the midfield area with bodies which means that we're actually getting overloaded in the midfield which is something that didn't happen all that often under Ange Postecoglou. and McGregor's game is suffering these are the two things I think that are affecting his game Patrick maybe also a lie to that a bit of burnout uh, when you look at the amount of games that he has played. I hope that isn't one of the reasons. I'd much rather it was to do with the shape, to be honest with you, because that can be sorted out. Um, Why do you think he has been so off form this season, Patrick? I think that's... I think
3: those two things are definitely a factor. The second one, I would say, is probably more so. You know, we had... We played with inverted fullbacks and it gave us more numbers in the middle of the park and the whole point was, as you say, to have overloads and you know, outnumber the opposition, and I think that. You know, obviously McGregor's a good player, but that would have helped him having more options for a pass. And you know, you have opponents trying to get the ball off you. Um, you know, I think I think you're right. I think we are more prone to sort of lumping up the pitch a wee bit more. We're not as uh, rigid and sticking to that sort of passing it out from the back. And you know, m- maybe it's just a case of being off form I mean, we, we don't have the normal pre-season, I think you know players like McGregor and people who won the quadruple. Travel. Uh, treble we're probably quite used to you know playing 50-60 games having a few weeks off and then getting right back into it whereas now we're having like a two-month-long summer he's he's having a longer break if you will so it's maybe yeah. taking the players' time a lot more time to sort of get up to speed. Um obviously the difficulty is he's he's one of the, our most consistent performers. He's also the club captain so you're incredibly hesitant to to drop him. Um <clears throat> as you say know we've got a lot of big games coming up but there's big gaps in between we've not got midweek games so you know you think the champions league it's it's what four weeks and two days away but you've actually only got three games before then you know you've only got st johnston rangers and dundee yeah um so really we're doing it to get this sorted out very very quickly um yeah i mean st johnson i i I don't think you can be topping your captain especially the week before you go to ibrox um so I don't think the solution is to drop him or rest him. I think you just have to sort of play through it and hope he, hope he, you know, picks up about a bit of form. Because as you say, you know, you look at the two one game last April. Aybrick he, he really grabs the game with the scuff of the neck. He sets up Roddick's goal really, really well, and he's 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 like the the tempo in the middle of the park. He just dictates the the game for us. You know, nine times out of ten, he's a fantastic player, and. um I'm not really sure what the answer is. Hopefully Brendan has the answer because um it's it's a real difficult one because I wouldn't be dropping him.
2: Well, this is the thing because it creates dilemmas, doesn't it? You don't want to drop your captain, Jerry, particularly when you've got the Rangers game coming up. Um and then you're you're maybe as Brendan just looking at the system and saying, By the way, Greg Taylor's not adapted to this. Uh maybe Joe Hart has. Taylor's not. Carl McGregor's not. You can see it in their form, and it's not benefiting the team. Um, there's a lot of comments coming in, and I'll, I'll come into the comments. Uh, the first one here is Stephen Sloan saying that uh, Celtic never had a problem that needed fixing. Brendan Rodgers seems to have turned it into that. So as well as you know personnel leaving the building, Jerry, we've got some major changes actually to a team who had you know for two years played a, a very specific way. And they did it, they did it very well. There's a wee drop off at the end of last season. But I think you know, with hindsight now, we know that Anch had kind of like checked out to a degree. He knew where he was going and he started uh, tinkering with the team. Um, but that team has been tinkered with not just with personnel, it's it's it is the style and the shape. Um, with regards to McGregor, yeah, it might be a wee bit of loss of form. Uh, what do you do? You, you can't drop your captain, uh, particularly not this early in, in the, the season, because the captain Jerry's the guy you want to keep on side, especially if things aren't going well. Yeah, exactly. The minute you drop your captain, I think that's the minute you're telling people that you're panicking. <clears throat> the
4: the thing with McGregor is the good thing is it wasn't just a player we got in last year that had a great year, and then we're looking at it going, oh, maybe did he get lucky last year? He's been consistent for years and years even under Brendan Rodgers, so we know he's a top-quality player, so we know this is a dip in form. This isn't he's being found out or anything like that. He's dipped. Who knows? It could be, like, I always kind of harp back to this. He's a human being. Anything can be going on in his life right now. Anything. Is he feeling the pressure that he's got to take on board now he's the captain and he's this new style of playing? He's got to outperform everyone else to lead by example. That's extra pressure. I just think you've nailed it in the head. You've not got inverted fullbacks coming and overloading the midfield. Um, it's taking time. Three competitive games, and three competitive games we've had, they've not been coming thick and fast. It's going to take time. We are justified to say this, as opposed to certain other teams that have been saying this about managers. Brendan Rodgers is in his third competitive game. All right, he's managed this before, but he's not been here for that full amount of time, mm-hmm. right? He's literally the one in that league that you can say, do you know what? He's got a rebuild in his hands that he didn't know he was going to have in his hands and we're three games in. I were out of cup. I get that. But I'll, I'll say it again. It was the kick up the backside we needed. And I've, I've got faith. Nobody's going to be hurting more than Callum McGregor right now. No one. He's got the world on his shoulders right now. It all stops for him. He's getting the pressure in midfield. He's He's the captain. So yeah, I think there'll be a lot of talking done Um, It wasn't easy for them either yesterday And see, and it's not an excuse you watch them Folk were slipping all over that pitch yesterday It became laughable the amount of times that people slipped Yang came on the first time he tried to put a bit of flair into a move He slipped Judy
1: was boring Hello Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com It's my
0: little escape
1: Now Judy's the life of the party
0: Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon
1: Whoa, take it easy Judy (laughs)
4: you're on a hiding to nothing, nothing at times. So there was no chance for creativity at times as well. So I will put that as slight but of an excuse. But when it comes to McGregor, he'll come good. He will come good. We all know that. He just needs the players around him to come good as well.
2: I think you're right about Yang. A couple of times he, he yeah. ended up on his backside. Um, I mean, you're right, they're mitigating factors and we'll also get to a couple of decisions that have become talking points. Mm-hmm. Um, after a game like yesterday, Brian, uh, obviously, we have various uploads and thumbnails, etc., to, to fire out on the socials. But I didn't quite fancy getting onto the, the social media last night. I just felt that there might have been a bit of a meltdown. Uh, I left that until this morning and I had a cursory glance through it while I was waiting up at Celtic Park this morning to see. And obviously, there has been uh, discussions raging on about the Haksabanovic penalty shout and the... Um, elbow, I think we can call it, the elbow to, to Greg Taylor, which drew blood on Greg Taylor, obviously resulting in him being off the park when we conceded the goal. We will come to all that, but I, I definitely am using it more uh, in mitigating circumstances rather than the reasons why we lost the game It's part of it. Um, the Callum McGregor thing, Brian, you know, this is a manager uh, who went to Callum over the summer and has actually said that until he spoke to Callum McGregor, he hadn't made a decision on whether or not he's got to take the Celtic job. That shows you how highly he regards the captain of this football club. I, ju- I just guess that when someone has performed so consistently over such a long period of time, it's really obvious when they don't hit the same kind of standards that we're used to, Brian. Um, are we looking too much into it because we've had a bad result? What do you reckon that the issue is with Callum McGregor?
0: I think what's interesting, I'm not 100% sure what shape we were playing yesterday. Or what we have been playing. I'm not sure if it's a four three three or it's a four two three one or or what the rules are yet. And I think if it is that more traditional sort of number six role, that's not what McGregor's there for. It worked very well under Ange because it was such a specific way of playing. And it's I think Patrick rightly said, your your full backs coming in, so you also that extra legs and support there. Mm-hmm. But as happens as the ball winner. What you're losing is his creativity driving forward. Because even though he was the number six under Ange, you saw him all the time bobbing forward out wide, stuff like that. He's not doing that as much. And it's obviously by design, but I just don't think it's getting the best out of him. Um, so I think the, the, the system's an issue. In terms of the the Savarevich thing, so it was a stonewall penalty, but it was a stonewall penalty in the 94th minute, which means we had 93 minutes to score and beat Kilmarnock. And we should have. And we could have played in an ice rink, and we, could, we should still have be been able to beat him with a difference in quality. Whether it's, you know, rough house tactics, the pitch, no getting a penalty, that's just things we're up against all the time. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't make any difference. We should still have more than enough quality when you still there. So I, I, I think the players need to look at themselves and Brendan has to decide, right, maybe I need to switch gears a wee bit. Like what I felt was strange was, if you're looking at, at like a straightforward number six ball winner, why wasn't it Wata playing? surely he's the answer yeah.
2: to
0: McGregor a bit forward yeah, That makes sense. If it's a double pivot, then that means O'Reilly would have been a 10, which isn't really his game either. So it's a bit square peg around hole for me just now. So I think those are a few of the issues. But I don't think anyone can, but like no players beyond criticism. I was critical of Hugo at times in Europe last year. I was critical of Matt O'Reilly, whoever they know nose I love. And McGregor's no immune criticism either, but I think that He's having to adjust the same as everybody else. And I think it's just we are so used to him being so consistent, as Jerry mentioned, that it's, it almost seems worse when he's a wee bit out of form because you don't expect it. So I think we need, to, we need to bear that in mind. But, I mean, really the players yesterday, like Taylor, had a, a shocker, I thought, yesterday. I thought the amount of times he passed it back was, was outrageous. Now, whether that's me fault for not coming to get it or home fault for not reading and, and moving in to give him the option, but he was he was particularly bad. I mean, he was my player of the year last year, mm-hmm. but the drop-off Stark in Taylor um, Ralston's no cover himself in glory. I think Abada was poor yesterday, but has been decent. Mieda's Mieda as you know you're getting. You know, if the ball's drop to somebody in the box or a last minute winner, you probably don't want it to be him. But for what he gives you, you can't ever drop him. So the team's in a sort of unusual situation. Plus, as well, there's no backup for Kyogo. No, and the fact that, in fact, that actually, he's probably the only one that gets any sort of pass marks yesterday because he was he ended up coming in. In fact, at one point, he was deeper than Callum McGregor to get the ball and try and make something happen, which shows the system's not working. So again, I, I kind of agree with Jerry. We're only three games in, and I think it'll be fine. But these things have to be called out and have to be actioned. And, and I'm not a man that's fond of excuse making anyway. And certainly I don't think the players or management should have any excuse for yesterday's performance.
2: No, you're right. You know, there was a couple of moments yesterday whereby Callum McGregor was taken by surprise because I think it was Nowroski tried to pass the ball to him a couple of times to the point where McGregor, it was almost as if he did not expect the centre to half to be passing the ball anymore. So he'd actually turned round as if he was on, on the move. Navrovsky's passed the ball to him and he said to then double-check himself. And it made me wonder have they been instructed that that's not what we do anymore and if that's the case that that's fine but what is it you're looking for the center half to do are you looking for them to find pockets of space behind the full-backs because we know that Abada and Maida has got pace to burn we saw it in the pre-season where the two of them had that freedom and we were pinging balls David Turnbull largely was doing it from the midfield but if you've got two ball-playing centre-halves which I think is part of the, the remit when we're trying to sign a new centre-half then that's what you try and do rather than Play at ten yards to McGregor. If we're going to change that tact, which worked pretty well for us, then find the the wingers down the left and right. We didn't see any of that at Rugby Park. Now, with with regards to everything that we've said, uh, Patrick and the kind of change in style, etc. I'm going to rewind two years ago, where we were six games in under Ange. There's the klaxon. And we had won 50% of those games. Thankfully, none of them were in a cup. So you can make it back in the league at some point over the, the coming months. Completely different scenario in terms of the quality that was inherited by Ange versus the quality that was um, inherited by Brand- uh, Brendan. But I'm using the word quality because that's the word Brendan used after the game. Is it just a case of, you know what, the group of players that were there, with all the changes, because there have been quite a few changes under Brendan, it's just a period of bedding in. It's an adaptable kind of system that he's bringing in. It's going to take them just that wee while to get over the bit. If it takes half a dozen games, it's going to be painful for the half a dozen games But we'll be flying for the rest of the season. Do we have to look at the experiences that we've already encountered, Patrick, and say, you know what? A wee bit like what Jerry says. Let's keep the faith here. We know Brendan Rodgers is a quality coach, and it will come through.
3: Yeah, I think that's it. And um, you know, I found myself a bit, you know, underwhelmed, disappointed. Not sure what term you want to use, but I remember Brendan Rodgers' first start, first stint at the club. It was a, it was quite a scintillating start. We all remember. 5-1 the five one um five one game against Rangers at Parkhead mm-hmm. and that really is a standout from his sort of opening couple of weeks. But I think if you look back, you know, we did lose to Lincoln Reddit one n no- Lincoln to one nothing. You know, arguably our most embarrassing European defeat. Mm. Um we'd I've just looking there, we didn't keep a clean sheet in the league until match day eight. We obviously get skelps 7-0 or Barcelona. So it, it wasn't the scintillating start that I remember it being, and we also you know scored a last-minute one at Time Castle, so we could have easily dropped points in our first-ever game. I um, feel like Ange, as you pointed out, we lost three of our first six. We went out to Michelin, uh squeezed by AZ. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, a bit of a scare against Apoel-Pierceiva under Brendan as well. You know, sometimes start the, the, the start of the season can be a bit of a slow burner. It's just about getting up to speed, and I think the disappointment here, the way it is different from two years ago, is that it's a cup competition.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Three games into the season, all of a sudden you can't win a treble. That hasn't really been the case for Celtic fans for a number of years. Um, you know, other you know, early season disappointments, yes, you go to the Champions League, but the league's still there, Europe's still there, the Cups are still there. So I think that's why it hurts a little bit more. Yeah. Um, just, you know, on the quality that we have, you know, it, the way that we're playing in the wingers, I, I think you're spot on. I think the wingers were poor as well yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Really, you know, I think when you look at Jota, I think he, he's got a different type of creativity from the wingers that we've got at the moment. He can he can go by a player. He, he's two-footed. I think that's one of the limitations of a badder, A very one-footed player, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, lightning quick and loves a goal, but, you know, that's... It really was a block of 11 we were playing against yesterday, Um, you know, they they retreated to their own 18-yard box as soon as they could, and it's how effective a bad is when you're coming up against that uh, in Scotland. Maeda, I thought, was absolutely shocking, to be honest, Um, had a terrible game. I think it was, you know, when we're chasing a goal and he's sprinting forward and he's got a pass, and it it looks as if he's trying to shoot from his own 18-yard boxes. His decision making is peculiar to me. I don't think he's had a great start to the season as well. And I think the worry is we're all now questioning the actual quality of the squad. Um, you know, we've lost a couple of key players. We've got a different manager. We weren't scintillating at the end of last season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we're now all questioning just how good a squad we've got. And I'm hoping we're all going to find out in the Champions League that we've got a really poor squad because um, taking a couple of uh, doings in the Champions League wouldn't be too pleasant. So, um, you know, we've got, what is it, 10, 11, 12 days, get a few players in. You know, I think it's quite obvious where we need to strengthen. You know, the left-hand side, possibly a goalkeeper, possibly a striker. Um, we've got the money, we know what you need to do. So it's just about getting the business done.
2: Yes, it is. The, the word quality keeps coming back, Patrick, because it was used by Brendan. But if we're going to try and be as balanced as possible, Jerry, and we do try, even when it's under difficult circumstances like getting pumped out of the uh, League Cup. And as, uh, as you quite rightly say there, Patrick, That that is it. I mean, last season, you know, we were on for the treble all the way through the season. The season before that, you won the league cup. It gets that one on the board, and all of a sudden, you know, three games in, we don't have that. You know, we don't have that aspiration now. So there is a huge disappointment. There is a bit of meltdown. You can see it on the post match um, comments. You can see it on the social media, which is why I tend to try and avoid that a wee bit more. And maybe go home and watch Roger Rabbit with a wee guy instead, and just try and forget that Kilmarnock have just knocked us out the cup. By the way, Roger Rabbit is underrated. Go and revisit that. Uh, Jungle Lion. Sorry, Jerry. You you wanted to make a point now, uh, mate. Have you see? Did you ever go on that old uh, old
4: right movies on Twitter? I do, and, aye. Uh, mate. Have you seen the Roger Rabbit one? They do. See the
2: backstory to that is unreal. Absolutely. (laughs) Jessica Rabbit, by the way. Well, that's for another podcast. Um, (laughs) Jungle Lion, you are enjoying yourself in Spain, but even the San Miguel and Sangria doesn't make it better. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, it didn't ruin your holiday. Uh, Jungle Lion. And remember, we have still to do a live podcast from your Celtic hut, stroke pub, stroke <laughs> man cave, whatever it is. We should do a tour of the man caves, right? Imagine that podcast Sorry. all over man caves. Listen, I said last week um, that I was blown over, blown away by a random act of kindness and it happens two weeks in a row. So I drive through to Celtic Park this morning And I'm feeling a wee bit down, obviously. The weather's rotten. Celtic got beat yesterday. It can ruin your entire week. We all know. We've all been through it, right? And I I get there and again, I just park up and obviously meet up with the videographer and he's getting his cell ready and it's raining. We're wondering if we go with the brawlies again. I got a lot of stick for using the Broly the last time. Um, So yeah, you'll need to tune in and see if I use the Broly or not. And I get a shout from someone just over at the Superstore. I'll see you after. And I'm thinking, this might take half an hour if I fluff my lines or if I swear inadvertently we need to redo it. So I says, no, I'll go up and see this fella. So we went up and he was the commenter that comes up from the Tobago Street Police Station CSC. Every time I see a comment, <laughs> I bring it up. And it was him. He had come to visit us brilliantly. And you know what? He had swag. He had two Celtic jerseys for us and he had a wee envelope with a donation in it for wee Jamie Tierney. So we've been telling you the story, Jamie Tierney. We've got an initiative called Sell the Jerseys. Celtic fans and fans of other clubs are giving us jerseys that we are either just framing if they're already signed or we're getting them signed with all the Celtic players that we can possibly find. We're getting them framed, auctioned, raffled, and we're going to raise as much as we can for wee Jamie, who suffers from douché muscular dystrophy. And I'll tell you what, it just makes my Monday all the better. And I'm driving home for Celtic Park thinking, you know, we've got beat, but there's bigger things out there, Jerry, I mean, Celtic fans never fail to amaze me with their generosity.
4: That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, you can see just by the comments as well, all the support uh, the Celtic families, unlike no other. And listen, it's been tough, right? And like your saying, Patrick, without, we're out without we're we're out the cup, you can't get that back. But I don't know about you guys and anyone else that's watching this, but I was getting bored of trebles anyway. Were you know, I mean, oh, the trebles still on. The trebles still on. Remember, the treble is still on. The domestic treble. I was getting bored of, though because there's an old saying that goes, "When there's always biscuits in the tin, then what's the fun in biscuits?"
2: But yeah. I like that. In biscuit tin Celtic right oh, That's right, aye. <laughs> that, That's taking us to another era entirely. But Brian, it is—it's sensational. And I'm not just saying it. Uh, I'm not making it up. People think sometimes you put things online, like the postie that um, dropped off the wee card. You know, the you weren't in, so I've, I've put your parcel in the shed, kind of thing. And he—he he, he just wrote, "Hail, hail!" I don't know. If he, how he knew that oh, he wrote it. And I put it out. Oh, you just made that up. They gave me the old Charlie Mulgrew. Why would you make something like that? So it was it was <laughs> generosity of the highest this morning, Brian. And it honestly it makes everything better. It's, it's a great start to the week. So thank you to the Tobago Street Police Station, CSE. It's a police station I have never spent the evening in. Um at their pleasure but I'm sure a few of our commenters and viewers have have you ever spent the night at the Tobago Street police station if so let us know in the comments where's Tobago I, I was thinking Trinidad and Tobago I thought so did like, I so did um, I right right so did that and I can see Patrick nodding away there it's in Glasgow Tobago Street apparently there used to be a police station there oh right Right. So, who's going to be the first to admit that Brian's a bit quiet? You had a sort of Brian's a bit quiet.
4: He's
2: like, (laughs) "Take no further questions." (laughs) He is. He's (laughs) not saying a thing. Right. But (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about the wingers, right? Because I think there is no doubt our two first choice wingers. I've got bags and bags of quality and ability, Brian. I really do. I, I was. You know, this season, I really expected a big season. I expected a big season last time round from Hatati, and I think we got it. This time round, I was expecting it from Abada. I just thought, you know, that marrying of Brendan Rodgers with the development and and bringing a young player, putting it under his wing, and saying, listen, I can develop you. I can make you that player you think you are, and I can get you the move that you want. Um, And I just felt during the pre season, we did see a a real decisive kind of uh, attitude that. Last season, it wasn't as present in Abada. Um, he was direct, he was in amongst the goals uh, and the assists. I thought he was rotten yesterday and I thought Maeda was too. The, I mean, the point that was already raised, Maeda was faced with the Kilmarnock half and the only people in that half, I would need to double check, but from memory were Yang, a Kilmarnock defender and the goalie. And I'm thinking, with well, your pace, all you need to do is make a beeline for the defender. He's going to have to make a decision because Yang's going to peel away. The whole thing will open up. You either go yourself or you lay it off. And he done something, Brian, which was option D, squaff it right off, you know, right out of the park. It was, it was so frustrating because he is the guy with the quality. He is the guy with the experience, Brian. And I think that certainly on form, the, the wingers are excellent, but I'm now getting a bit concerned that, you know, if chips are down, Jota last season... We'd dig in. We saw it at Love Street, as I still call it, against St Mirren, where you know he was having a stinking game. And at halftime, I'm thinking, is he going to actually get taken off here? He's the guy that gets kept on within five minutes. He puts us a goal ahead. And it was one of the goals where he's, he's kind of like mishit it and it's gone in. I don't see that from a bad Brian. I don't see that hunger. I don't see him stepping up and saying, I've been here for three years now. I'm a wee bit more experienced than of Yang. I've got to take the initiative and win this game for Celtic. And that's disappointing.
0: Yeah, I mean, he certainly didn't see it yesterday. But what I would say about Abada, so I was thinking about this because I I still think he's an excellent player. And I think he's really key for us. But what, when he was always best was when Cubo was making space and he jotted on the other side. Because Meda and Abada aren't traditional wingers. I still don't even think Mida is I a mean, winger. I still think he's a striker. And I think Abada is that sort of second striker. He's always better coming into the box late or coming after someone. When you had Jota on the other side, he was creating things, he was moving, he could put crosses in and Abadda was there to receive them. What Abadda's never done is take a player on and beat three players into the box. It's no his game. I don't think it's ever going to be his game. And it comes down to what I was mentioning earlier about the system. If Ralston's providing the width and Keogh was pulling defenders away, that's perfect for Abadda. But that wasn't happening yesterday. So Abadda was relying there to try and jink past players, which he cannae do. Beda on the other side was similar. I think it was Lagger Beekle, or whatever we're calling him. I was calling him Lager Beekle, but someone calling Lagger Lager Beekle. Yeah, a good idea. Yeah, big goss. Big goss. He looks like he'd had a cut of shandy. He's just a big man to be <laughs> fair. He it was, it was the really great <laughs> debut, but he was trying to uh, find Maeda in space with diagonals. And, and again, even when made, I got it, If he he wasn't able to run onto it, he couldn't beat man. because Taylor wasn't fighting about the other side either. So these things all inform each other. That's why I don't think any one player was particularly worse than the other yesterday because I think they all just fell apart and it just didn't work. And Patrick, you made a really good point there about Angie's first six games. But even after game one, you sort of knew what you were getting. You could see, you're like, all right, okay, that didn't go well, but each one of those games we start still the same game to watch, even though we get beat. We still have plenty of attacking intent. You can still see the, the way they're trying to play. You can sort of get it and go, all right, I'm quite excited by this. I don't know what style we're playing now. I just know that it's not quite worked so far. But again, positive, Brian. I think we'll be fine. I think we just need to, the, the adjustments need to be made. If you're going to take a slap in the face, you take it at this stage of the season and you move on and That's where we go. We underestimated come in my opinion that, that everybody had one of those weird games where they all were bad. Every player was rotten yesterday. It was the same I think jerry mentioned it when we played St. Martin. Um, I think it was, a, I don't know if it was the last time before with the beaters and we were the whole team was rotten. And it happens sometimes and it happens really, and that's the important thing. If it keeps happening there's an issue. And again I think yesterday feels worse because I think people could feel it coming. I'd mentioned on Friday that I think people, when you watch Angela, when you look at what Rodgers has provided so far, it's a lot slower. It's a lot more plodding. It's a big drop-off to watch. So naturally, you feel as if, even if it's effective, it's not as exciting. So people had that a sort of tension about the minute, yeah. about anxiety yesterday. And the fact we lost mm-hmm. doesn't help.
2: It just adds to it. Now, I'm going to get to some of the the great points that are coming in, but I've got to pull this up because, you know, we're in an age where you have the ability (laughs) to say whatever you want on a public forum. Football fan shows are a scam, says Who's News. Well, I can only speak for Axon, which is an independent platform, not financed by any other media company other than a state of mind, which is basically Axom. Um, and what we try to do here is to provide free daily content. Where's the scam? Who's news? If you're going to come out with that, come on. Give us the give us the detail. Give us the goss. There's no scam right, here. This is a good thing.
0: You know, the stuff we've done for Jamie Tierney and all the stuff Axon's done for charity and for free um, yeah. over a long, long period of time. So, huge news yeah. during his neck
4: in my opinion who's news, we'll have you know that Paul only charges us £100 a show
2: to come on this. Uh, so. is, that all, is that all you're getting, Jerry? Patrick, <laughs> don't tell him what you're getting. Right, no, so,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> That's true. No, but listen, it, listen, we're all about Celtic. We're all about talking about Celtic. There's fan media, there's independent media, there's mainstream media and I keep saying it, it's all about good and bad. You get good and bad in all the different platforms. Axom's all about Axom. We we don't know what anybody else is doing, but we certainly stick to our guns. And like you say, Brian, we're at 95 grand um raised for various charities. We're not going to focus on we, Jamie, because I just think the Celtic fan base can make a huge difference to the wee fella. Um, and we get far more positivity than negativity. But uh, thanks for your comment, nonetheless. Pete McG, uh, can you not ban the use of the word project? It's just verbal diarrhoea. I'm at that stage. I'm at that stage because we've already banned calling a player a Rolls-Royce. You're not allowed to say that on Axom. It's part of the do's and don'ts. Don't call a player a Rolls-Royce. Did uh, not-
4: use that phrase?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just thought, you know, call them something else. I'm not into cars, but there must be a, another decent motor. Um, project, okay, we will ban that. No longer will we use projects. Now, John, I'm guessing you're talking about that police station in Glasgow. No comment, he says. Uh, <laughs> right hey, John. So- <laughs> yes. Uh, it all went wrong when Ange left and the club brought back Brendan Rodgers. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up isn't for the negativity. It's just to say, right, <clears throat> Brendan Rodgers doesn't become a bad gaffer overnight, Patrick. And in an actual fact, I'm going to stick to this, and it might not be palatable today or this week or until we get another decent result. I think Brendan Rodgers is a better manager than he was when he left Celtic. People will scoff at that because maybe his last season at Leicester wasn't great. But look at what he'd done with Leicester. And I, I i don't like calling any English football team a provincial club, especially in the, the top division. They're an unfashionable club, Patrick. It took them to win an honour, which was the first in decades. They won the League Cup, right? Uh, we remember what Martin O'Neill did um, at, at Leicester. He won, I think, two League Cups. Incredible. Uh, takes them into Europe, gets them to the semi-final of a European competition. Now, it's not the Intertotal Cup that it's made out to be. It's a conference league, but it was the semi-final uh, European competition, Patrick. And then they had issues with regards to finance. Now, maybe that's a get-out from the gaffer. I don't know. But I actually said this at the time when we appointed him. I felt that Brendan Rodgers had gone away for four or four and a half years and he's come back a better gaffer. He's certainly got a different approach. You can see that in the interviews and stuff, but, uh, Patrick. I am not subscribing to that. Listen, seeing nine months' time if the system doesn't work and the inverted fullbacks. You know, getting changed doesn't work. And the wingers playing a slightly different game doesn't work. And, you know, Joe Hart kicking the ball out from the back rather than passing it from the back. And that doesn't work. And Hugh will playing deeper because these are all the changes we've noticed Brendan's made to a winning team. I think we're going to adapt. The, the players are good enough to adapt. And this will all smooth out with the added quality that hopefully we'll bring in in the next 10 days. Do you think that was a harsh comment, Patrick? Um,. <sighs>
3: It's, it's hard to say I mean I think you're right I don't think I know people are having these sort of debates you know who's a better manager Ange or uh, Brendan and I I can't pick between the two of them I think they're both very equally capable managers um, very unique and very different in the way they operate you know Ange famously very cold standoffish with players Brendan likes to sit and have lunch with him um, Ange is, he's only got one way of playing and he's going to stick to it Brendan's a lot more versatile willing to try new things So, very different types of managers, but I mean, Brendan has succeeded arguably with two teams in the English Premier League. He's won seven out of seven trophies at Celtic. he he done well with Swansea. Ange, done well everywhere he's gone. He's he's got a good result. I mean, he's only two games in, but he he looks as if he's going to do all right in England. So, Mm -hmm. I think very similar uh, levels of manager. Um, I think that there's still a lot of ill feeling. Towards Rogers, which is totally um, you know, totally understandable and acceptable. But I think people are taking that ill feeling and then making the assumption that the, that the guy's a bad manager because the last 18 months at Celtic, it, it was a bit dull. We still won everything, but it was a bit slow and then he does it up earnest. And I don't I don't think that's a a healthy way to look at the situation right now, um, because he is a good manager and <clears throat> He he has brought success everywhere he's been and I think we will have success again this season and next season. And I think it really just is a blip at the moment. I think um I think Jerry said it best. Um I think it was Jerry, um it was just it, it, it was just an off day for like everyone. Everyone had an mm-hmm. off day and it's not often that happens. It happened with with St Man last season and that's what I'm trying to say. It wasn't a cup game, so we're pick ourselves up and move on. Because it's a cup game, it stings a bit more. But um you know, as you say with that elbow, uh, I think that's at least a booking, if not a red card. Uh, he's off the pitch for four or five minutes. They score a goal. Personally, I think the goal's offside. Um, I thought the VAR uh, replay showed that quite clearly, that the guy was offside. But um, obviously, you know, different different rules in Scotland, different standard of refereeing. Um, I, I think we'll bounce back. You know, it's... I, I don't like saying this when we're not out of cup competitions, but it does give us a free midweek come late September to sort of recharge. You know, we Champions League, and then a free midweek, then another Champions League. Um, you know, we can, we can arguably focus more on Europe. Again, I'm just, I, I don't like yeah. making these excuses, but th- there are upsides to not having those three extra games. I know you, you obviously want to win a trophy when they're treble, but, um, you know, I think I think it's just a case of an off day and, you know as long as performances don't continue to be this bad and um, i think we'll be fine
2: well, you know, you, you've used the uh, example of St Mirren. I remember after that game, uh, we were looking for every excuse under the sun, even the the strip that we were wearing. We were blaming the strip for that defeat. It was so bad. It was so uncharacteristically bad under Ange borster Remember Moy, you know, if you go back to the, the, the social media or even the comments on the post-match, people were saying he should never wear a Celtic jersey again. It went on to become, for a period of a few months, the best player we had. It's one of the ones where you try your best not to have the knee jerk, but you do try to look at the reasons why we played so bad, the reasons we got beat and how we can make it better. But you make a good point about the goal, right? Because we've been focusing on all our failings. There was a few dubious decisions and you know what? We're going to cover them, not because we got beat. We always cover them, even when we win. Um, The goal with regards to the offside, uh, we've also got the uh, collision Elbow on Greg Taylor, Drew Blood. He's off the park when Kilmanock scored the goal. And then, of course, the Haxabanovich. So I'm going to go through the three decisions. You've already said, Patrick, you reckon it was offside. Um, What about the other two decisions, Patrick, before I ask the other guys? Uh, Greg Taylor, do you think, you know, if it was a sending off, he would have had any complaints? Armstrong? No, I don't think so. Um, I
3: think I'm right in saying he he get the assist for the goal as well. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he put the ball across. Um, you know, I, I've seen yellows, I've seen reds. Um, you know, I think it's definitely a booking, and obviously, you know, haven't been off the park, the fact it's torn Bud as well. I think I'm, I'm leaning towards a red. Obviously, green tinted specs and all that, but I think it's a it's very it's a very cynical elbow. Um, the penalty, I don't think, is a penalty. Um, I think if you're giving that as a penalty, I think. You know we're going to end up with two, three penalties a game. If if the if the rule is there's contact and he doesn't get the ball in the penalty box, then you know by the rules of the game that is a penalty. But I don't think it he helps himself, Haksa because he 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 sort of dives on his way into the box only two minutes earlier. And you know I've, I've said on here a few times I'm not a big fan of Haksa but um, it's 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 not a penalty for me. I don't think.
2: You know this, I said yesterday that I don't think that helped him. The fact that there was that, you know, at the edge of the box, it shouldn't change the perception or the the decision, rather, of the referee, Jerry. But, you know, they are human, they do make mistakes. I've seen the still image and I've been told, don't look at still images, watch it in real time. Uh, Because the still image, you know, if you want to get shown that, you're thinking that's a penalty every single day of the week, right? Brian's already said it's a stonewaller. What's your take on the penalty, first of all, Jerry? Did Haxibanovic go down too easily? Was he infringed? Can I do all mine in one go here? Yes, go for it. So,
4: uh, I felt the goal was offside, but we should still be good enough to score another two goals to beat that team. I feel like it was a red card. However, it doesn't matter. We should still be capable of beating a team with 11 men in the park. And I believe it was a penalty, but I think we would have missed it. And that's basically that's thinking the day we what happened uh, right. right? yeah, there was yep. excuses there but not excuse enough for us to have lost that game um i think the penalty, i think you're right what you're saying uh, patrick it's the way haksabanovic does it i think because he was looking for things previously and that's that that's not helped him um and that's panic stations that was panic mm-hmm. stations if you're going right let's win this penalty before you're thinking let's get this ball where it needs let's to go Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, with the Greg Taylor one, see with the elbow, if you watch it, it's not just a loose elbow. There's tension in that elbow. And I know this because back in Sunday League, I've done that. You can tell that is a blatant <clears throat> elbow on his way down. And that should have been a red card. And I'll be surprised if they don't. No, in fact, I won't be surprised if the SFA don't look at it. <laughs> um, however, they should. Because as soon yeah. as you draw blood from a player...
2: What's the difference of doing that anywhere else? You've got to investigate it. That was an yeah. elbow. The, the big that was... one that, that I'm 100% on is that, that incident there with Taylor. Because if you are trying to use your body, and I know you're not meant to, but if you're using your body to try and, obviously, get in front of Taylor, you do it in an almost grabbing motion, don't you? You try and get your hand round the front of the body. But as you say, Jerry, it was a very deliberate, you know, the way that his elbow was positioned there. and And Taylor has, you know, been um, you know, a few times the commentator said he's been out-muscled. That's not out-muscling him. That is blatantly hacking him to the ground and drawing blood. So, yeah, I'm 100% on that. The others, you know, I- I'm willing to debate them because I think that is is, you know, for me, Brian, week on week, performance by performance, playing his way out of the club. There was a period last season where we've gone on about the cult of Haxabanovich and uh, the way that he went about the game. He had a wee purple patch, far too fleeting, unfortunately, in November of last year. And then you look at where he is now and you think he's coming on and what's he going to do? And, you know, he doesn't get by his man, so he ends up on a deck. You've already said you think it was a stonewaller. What about the other two uh, moments that may be getting discussed today?
4: So the,
0: the offside for their goal, I mean, what what I find strange, right? Offside should be a very binary decision. You're either onside or not. They've got lines to show, and it looked to me like he, he's like his shoulder was kind of off. Now, generally speaking, I wouldn't count that as offside because you go well benefit the attacker. But rule of thumb, the way it seems to be is if any part of your nose is offside, or your big toes offside, you're offside. So it depends what the rules would be. So when I saw it at first, I was like, you know. Common sense would say you benefit the attacker there because he's only slightly off his shoulder. But that's not what the rules are. So it's a bit, it's not very clear. Um, in terms of the Taylor one, I'll be honest, I never noticed it at first. I think I was too busy swearing at the Celtic players for not performing to have noticed it at the time. But when I saw it after, it does look like he's he's done. The only defence he would have, if I'm being balanced, is it doesn't appear to look at him when he does it. But you know where he is. You know if you want to do it, you can do it. So it does look like it gets done. The reason I think it was a penalty is because it was a penalty, because he, he, he clipped, his, clipped his leg. Now, whether he's went doing dramatically, which he did, and whether the refs saw him dive in a times they just assumed he's dive. They did a mm. VAR check. They did a VAR check, and they could zoom in, and they could see his leg was clipped. It's a foul outside the box, and it's a foul inside the box. And if that's the case, it's a penalty. It was ridiculous. They never gave it. Spent, if, if that had been in real time without Ver, I could totally understand why he never gave it because Alex Ivanovich, who I christened Action Vanovic because I thought he was going to cast for his and it turned out he's no um, but I, I, I think that a blind man in a dark room with sunglasses will not tell that's a penalty when you watch it but I just don't see how he watched Ver and never saw that that, that, that angers me because it's complete
4: lack of consistency
2: Mm-hmm. No, it is. It is inconsistent. What was that, Jerry?
4: We didn't even check it for long compared to... No, it was very quick. <laughs>
2: yeah, very quick. Very quick. Um, I want to talk about the starting 11, actually, Patrick. That was a big discussion point leading into the game. Uh, obviously, you know, we. I think on Friday we said that there's going to be minimal changes because of the form of Kilmarnock, the fact that it was always a potential banana skin going to Rugby Park. Uh, on Sunday, and the fact we hadn't really been firing on all cylinders, it would have not made sense to me to make various changes. I know that sometimes in the League Cup, um, that's your opportunity to make some some changes, but I didn't feel it necessary. And we've seen it in the past. Remember when Tierney scored from about 50 yards and there was a few youngsters playing that night and it worked really well and we won on a, a canter. I was looking at the, the central midfield area that obviously um, Hatati. Had been a permanent fixture almost in over the last couple of seasons. And the fact that he was injured, and I was thinking, does Turnbull make his third start after his disappointing half against Aberdeen? And I had. I had said Awata. I like the look of Awata as a midfielder. I think that um, it's easier to remember his performances at centre half, or indeed at right back during the preseason. I think he's not done that well. I just think if you look at the midfield performances in isolation, he has done pretty well. And there was the game against Kilmarnock that you know at Rugby Park. He was part of that where we looked as though we were going to win seven or eight nil. We missed the penalty and we were four nothing up after about twenty minutes. You remember? Um, didn't quite pan out that way. Um, and I just felt that. We had to. Uh, that was a safe option. That's what I felt. I thought a water was a safe option. He's he's thrown Holman for his first start. So I'm going to ask you. You know, you know, with hindsight, it's easy to say that was the wrong decision, right? Because we got overrun in the midfield. The midfield did the game pass them by. I can understand why you did it, Patrick. Because home had performed pretty well in the cameos that it had leading into this game. I I was still surprised, though, and before the game, that was a big surprise for me. What did you make of it, and what did you make of his performance?
3: Yeah, I I remember talking to yourself and John at Wednesday about, you know, what the midfield has to be now that Atati's out for a few weeks, and, you know, I I really have struggled to pick all those three players. You know, they all all offer something, but I don't think there's a standout between them, which, you know, I, I think says a lot about, you know, our midfield options at the moment wasn't too upset uh, when home uh, came on, and I think I said on Wednesday that I'd start Turnbull at Ibrooks um, I probably would have started him yesterday as well um, not sure it would have made much difference but I wasn't too upset when home came on, I thought he's played well in the two or three games I've seen him play Um don't think he had as bad a game as others, you know, he, he obviously didn't play well, and um, didn't really create anything, but didn't have the worst game in the world um, so not too upset I, the worry is that we keep on changing this and we don't really get a settled uh, midfield three. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think we are going to get a settled midfield three until I think it's done we play on the 16th of September because I think by that time we'll have a lot of players back. Um, but really, I'd like him, you know, whoever he intends to start at Ibrox, to start against St Johnson this weekend because um, they, they really do need to get a chance to sort of gel together and work together. The worry is, you know, if things get to 50, 60 minutes and it's still nothing each against St Johnson and we need to make another change, you know, you're left with another uh, mid- uh, midfield sort of selection headache. I'd actually be tempted to go with water in saying all that. Um, I think you need a bit of strength and a bit of battle in midfield going to go Ibrox and I think he offers that. Turnbull, I think games like that has, I think games can pass him by. You know, really, sort of physical, uh, fast-paced, um, sort of high-quality tempo games. Um, home, I'd, I really don't want to start. You know, nineteen-year-old new signing, I bricks away, um, wouldn't buy deal. So, I think I'd be tempted to go with your suggestion on Wednesday and go with Awater from certainly for the next two games until Hatati's back, and we might sign another midfielder. Um, but I'd be going with latter from now on, yeah
2: Yep, and with one eye on the Rangers game, uh, Jerry, I think. Uh a couple of times I've seen Iwata playing against Rangers, and I remember when um, he came on and shored up the midfield against them, actually, at Ibrox, and that was the reason I would have started him against Rangers in every game. I just felt that he did add that bit of metal that we needed, but also he gave Callum McGregor a wee bit of freedom. It might look different, obviously, if the the fullbacks are not playing inverted and and giving you the extra numbers in the middle of the park, Jerry. But it is a question because Brendan's been talking about quality. We've lost a lot of quality through injury and through obviously selling players and through the retirement of Aaron Moy. We have lost a lot of quality um, and it's about trying to replace that with quality. Now, when Turnbull came on at the weekend, Jerry, I know he's creative. I know that if someone was going to pull something out the bag, a rabbit out of the hat, 25 yards from goal, it was probably going to be him but his ball retention poor. I noticed in quick succession he lost the ball a couple of times. I know that against Aberdeen he lost the ball nine times in mm. one half. Uh, Home didn't do that. I thought Holmes' ball retention was better than that. So what do you do with that troublesome midfield position, Jerry? Who plays?
4: Yeah, it is a tough one. Like you say, it's, it's the fact that we're chopping and changing all the time. I think Holm is a good player. I don't think we can look at that game um, to have any bearing on home out of all the midfielder. He probably did better. Um, he was always looking for the ball as well. <clears throat> Would you start him in a big game like that? I think Iwata is definitely, for me, the most kind of trustworthy in the middle there. Um, and Like you said, he's played well against them in the past. Do you know what I've been guilty of, and I'm going to admit this, and I'm not speaking for other Celtic fans here, but I'm sure there's going to be some that are like me this way, See, because it was all the uncertainty with Hitati not signing a contract and everything, in my head I went, right, he's not going to be a Celtic player. And automatically you start to do that thing to make it easier on yourself go, oh, well, he's he's dipped in form. He, he's, not as, he's not as good as, as I thought. And this is all internal, I haven't been saying that out loud. And you start to convince yourself that Hitati won't be missed. <clears throat> Whereas the proof and the pudding is right now, we are missing Hitati, whether he dipped in form or not. But when he's in that midfield, we're a different beast. I really, truly believe that. And I think if we can get him signed or get it all dealt with and he comes back in fully fit, we will get one of our star players back. I've always said he's, he's so gifted. And I've been bad for that. And I think I've been trying to kid myself on. But I think we're missing him a lot more than we want to admit right now. Definitely me. Um, but Odin Holm, I'm confident with. I'm really, I, I'm not going to go, I was, I was so excited about him getting a start. And just because we get beat, I'm not going to then now say, "All right, he's not good enough for in like that." But I think he's he's a he's got potential to be a great player. I'm excited to see him develop in the squad. But right now, I'd like to see Awata in there as well.
2: Well, I think Atati showed that when he came on against Aberdeen at halftime, Brian. The the quality that he brings, we looked like a completely different midfield. Callum McGregor looked like a different player when Hattati came on, you know, onto the park at Petodre. And we went you know, and won that game. And I think we won it fairly convincingly. I don't think we were under any kind of um, stress whatsoever that day. Um, I'm going back to that 4-1 game I mentioned, uh, just to double-check the timings of that. We were 4-0 up after 27 minutes and we had missed a penalty. And it looked as though we were going to really take them to the cleaners. And Iwata was part of the midfield that day alongside McGregor. Um, we played a, a 4-2-3-1. And and you sometimes ask yourself, you know, if it's worked in the past against that team at that park, why not keep the same shape? But obviously, we went with a completely different shape. Where are you with the midfielders, Brian? Obviously, there is that question mark around Turnbull, Home, or someone else. Who do you play until Hatati comes back into the fold? Well,
0: it totally depends on what the midfield shape is because I think that's going to dictate. So for me, if I was packing, I'd have the midfield three. I'd have Iwata sitting, I'd have Callum McGregor further forward in either home or O'Reilly, probably O'Reilly, because his spawns were a bit better, yesterday aside. Um, that would be my three. I you've got a, a, sort of, um, a traditional sitter with a bit of power in water. You can let McGregor drive forward a bit, and then O'Reilly can sort of be a box-to-box. But if they're playing the, the sort of double pivot, we have number 10, the only 10 we've got, naturally, is Turnbull. We don't have an all natural ten just now. Hatati's not a ten. That's only really his position. McGregor could probably be there, and who would you play deeper? So I, I don't really know what the system is looking like, and that's Markinson. As I can't really pinpoint who's playing what. If you were playing a double pivot, you could probably keep McGregor in a the water there as a two, but then you can't really play O'Reilly or home. It's tens, so it has to be tumble. So I think the system's going to dictate it. But if it was my choice. That's about water,
2: Mcgregor and O'Reilly. Right. I mean, listen, we could debate and debate until the cows come home, but uh, unfortunately, we lost the game yesterday. I don't think it has been a broadcast of uh, glass half empty today, but there are issues and they need to be discussed, and we need to get it sorted and soon. I hope that there are going to be some more arrivals between now and the end of the transfer window. Rogers is speaking about more quality entering the building. What will that look like? Let's hope that we do see some kind of movement this week and next. 1,500 strong, some moaning just like us, because it's horrible getting beat when you're a Celtic fan. Um, And we've got to strip it back and ask the question as to why it's happening. Uh, So thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved, because you know what? We don't always agree, but we all want the same thing for Celtic. Uh, Come back tomorrow at 12.30. In fact, come back tonight at 6 o'clock for a wander around paradise, where you will see me walking about with a brawly trying to stay out of the rain and trying to be positive as well. Um, and, you know, as I say, another big shout out to the Tobago Street Police CSC <laughs> for giving us the jerseys and a donation towards uh, we, Jamie. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Thank you to Patrick, Brian and Jerry for joining me on a Celtic State of Night.